welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I'm pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air online seven days a week. It's always, uh, there's always something up on our radio feed, our radio loop. You find that, of course. It's probably where you found what you're listening to right now at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. That's the second link on that, our homepage, the, the Center Left Radio homepage. The first link takes you to our podcast feed and whatever is playing on the radio loop, that, that little slice of analog yesterday where when you hit the link, you pick up the show wherever it happens to be in the loop. Pretty much like you would with any radio show that you turned on to, unless you uh, tuned in exactly at that moment. We don't seem to use radio that way, at least, and I and I can't remember ever really using radio that way. It was wherever you were. You, you went up and down the dial and found it. Well, imagine with our radio loop, you're going up and down the dial, and you happen to find center-left radio, and if that's if that appeals to you, if that's the way you like to find your conversation... Jump in on it, Harold Pinter play ish it. That's uh, that that'll appeal to you quite a bit. And again, it may very well be why you're listening now. And the other way, of course, is the podcast. Both are up at the same time. the The new radio loop show is the the pod, the podcast at the top of the list. So uh, take your choice, however you want to do it. You've obviously made that choice because you're listening to us right now and. We're glad you're with us at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. It's the 18th of January, and it's not bitter cold, uh, temperature-wise. It's uh, here in the uh, in in the almost flat-out central part of the Hudson Valley, uh, about 25 miles, I would guess. Uh, up the Hudson River, which we can see from here, uh, from New York City, so you kind of know where we are. Uh, the temperature, I gather, is already 30 degrees. Problem is that the wind is blowing at a fairly constant 15 or 20 miles an hour, so the wind chill factor, blah, 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 uh, and the temperature's dropping during the day, and all in all, it's a predictable sort of January, still in the dark morning, pre-daylight savings time, uh, kind of a day. Uh, now, it, it, to, to listen to or to get a description of this morning on any local media, any, any uh, cable station or any broadcast station or I'm guessing any radio station. I'm not listening to radio this hour of the morning. Uh, certainly uh, the local public radio stations and, and the classical station that I listen to here, WQXR, uh, which is, well, it streams internationally, but it's out of New York. Th th those guys don't really get into anything dramatic about weather, but weather has become another drama story uh, another another vehicle to be hyped, to be pushed. The worst 
possible scenario for the weather is what is presented as the norm of weather. It is given equal footing with anything in the news, uh, as is, at least with the morning shows, the traffic, uh, everything is... To, to listen to uh, the way traffic is set up, if there were three accidents spread over a 40-square-mile area around New York City, one would think that there, were, that there, there was a, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a car wreck derby going on on the road, that there was a demolition derby, basically, uh, atmosphere out there, then that's what you would expect to see. Well, it's not there. Much is much is much the same is true about the weather. You normally would expect to basically die of the elements as you walk out the door based on the way your uh, your local weather person describes them. And it's rarely, rarely the case. In fact, I have found that probably at least 80, 90% of the time, the scenario that's being presented by the weather person, the way it formulates in your mind, the images that you begin to project about what is going on, are not borne out in any reasonable way by the reality of what's there when you step out the door. And even knowing this, even knowing that it's probably not what you imagine it, or, or what you're hearing it is, I find that emotionally, uh, not intellectually, no, I can't say intellectually, emotionally, um, creatively, uh, there's a willful suspension of reality. It's almost a theatrical kind of approach that is shared by listeners and broadcasters about what you should expect. And even after seeing, or even after being, I don't want to use the word disappointed, I'm never disappointed that things aren't as bad as they are. I think perhaps in the Republican Party that's the sentiment these days. The hope is that things are horrible because that's how you maintain people in a state of grievance. So you're perpetually trying to create a worse situation or the perception of a worse situation. I'm, I'm not upset when the weather isn't bad. I'm not upset that I don't have something to worry about. I find myself, like a lot of people I speak to, worried. Or if, if, you, if you have nothing else to deal with, this becomes front of mind. The weather, worrying about a weather report that's four days off. I mean, we, we just went through yesterday um, a... Uh, in the morning, it was uh, it was windy with a uh, began as snow turned into rain, so it wound up being slush, and that was about it. And the temperature rose during the day, and it never affected anything in the way of transportation or getting around. It was just kind of a uh, sort of a day. We had been getting reports here since. I guess yesterday being yesterday being Monday, since probably last Thursday or Wednesday, 
from the various weather uh, channel, well, not weather channel, but, well, the weather channel included, but from the various local stations and other stations, but mostly the local stations, just predicting, look, we didn't, we got to tell you, this is coming, it, and look what's happening in the south. So, you, you it, since this was a storm that was moving up from the south into the north, it's compounded, the story is compounded by what it's done to other parts of the country. And of course, the worst of that is, what's, is what is present to, presented to you and how much further it has to go and how many millions of people have been affected so far. And, and we now become joined in this statement of horror, weather horror, that we all have to go through. It almost becomes like a rite of passage to worry about it and prepare to be part of the, of the utter destruction that everybody else is or isn't really, for the most part, experiencing. Well, it winds up that the predictions, at least as far as where we are over here, were utterly and completely overblown. And as I said earlier on, this is true in about 90% of the cases with weather. The, the generalizations take into account the worst possible scenario, and that becomes spread out as the probability and likelihood. And sometimes, if you listen carefully, you can hear that, well, they're just hedging their bets about whether that is what everyone will experience. But the intention is clearly that we are all going to pay attention and listen and become part of this, this, this bigger-than-life kind of thing that the weather has become because it is as much a story as any local shooting or traffic accident or anything else that would catch our attention and put us in a mode of survival euphoria as the uh, New York Post many years ago described the term uh, when you basically watch something horrible happen to someone else or read about it. And it's kind of a, even a little bit of a, a rush that, hey, it didn't happen to me. That's survival euphoria. Why do we put up with this? Why, why do we even uh, consider... Why don't we consider complaining and yelling and jumping up and down and saying to our news services, I'm sick and tired of being treated like this. I don't want to be spoken to like a little child. The only way you're going to get my attention is if you go to extremes about everything and make everybody all kinds of crazy and, and worried and, 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 and you know you're doing it. Why are you doing it? Why don't you calm down? Aren't there enough crazy things out there right now that we don't need weather people and weather reports to become a basis for concern for us? Why, why can't we just normalize it? Why can't it be like Carol Reed back in the 50s and 60s who would come on and, and, and just give you this calm, easy thing and there'd be this the simplest of graphics and we think there'll be sunshine here tomorrow and there'll be rain here tomorrow and we're hearing about maybe wind coming with that and there's going to be some rain there. Have a nice day and she'd smile and that, well obviously we're past that. And in the era of social media, it's perfectly understandable. 
we've learned, everyone has learned, in every profession, in any, in any sphere of life where you need to communicate uh, information to large groups of people with a desire to sway them, we've learned in the social media world, you basically go to extremes. You push everything as an extreme statement of what it is or isn't. And you, you gear it to a desire of your, of, for, for your audience to move with you in a certain direction. So that the, the objectivity, the, the objective reality that you're speaking of is no longer really the end point. Communicating facts, being an Eric Severide, being, being an Edward R. Murrow-ish person is off the table. That's not even in the realm of possibility. Your job is basically to persuade, not to inform, not to just comment. Your, 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 your function is to literally sell, to sell an idea, to sell the weather, to sell the notion that something bad is about to happen, and to get a reaction. And from that reaction to therefore get people wanting to come back to, to essentially, almost in drug-like form, needing to hear more about this bad thing that's going to happen. And if they come back, they're listening to your media. If they're listening to your media, they're absorbing your advertising. If they're absorbing your advertising, they are raising the value of your show. You are worth more money. You're making more money. That's it. It always comes down to follow the money. That's pretty much the way these things work out. But it's at the expense of objective reality. Now, we, we, we could cut through this very easily by simply thinking the way I'm, I'm asking you to think or, or I'm thinking right now, to at least recognize at some point, that we are being manipulated, that this is all a big uh, show. There, there, there's an underlying reality to the weather, of course, but the presentation and the reaction of the audience is more important to the people communicating than the simple communication of the objective facts of the weather. That just ain't enough. And in fact, if the objective facts of the weather ain't enough, then the edges begin to stretch so that we can tell a story that at least might suggest, well, if it's really nice today, don't feel too good. It's going to be really awful before you know it. That's the way it works. This is why you have storm teams and names like that. There's always another shoe to drop. It's always going to get worse. There's no, the, the, the nature of the positive sense about anything is always suborned, is always diminished in favor of finding the negative lining, the dark lining to everything. That's how we think. That's how we see social media. We, we have other versions of communication that come at us from other sources. There are lots of positive statements that are out there. But they compete, by and large, with the mass of the negative stuff that is thrown at us perpetually. That's 
what we absorb, even if by just looking at it objectively, stepping back, it becomes very clear that it is being exaggerated, that it is more than it should be, and that we could basically have a different approach to it and hopefully have a different internalized feeling about this information if only we would just look at it and listen to it and, and roll it around in our own minds and not just swallow it whole. Case in point, and, and, and you knew where I was going to go with this adventure. Maybe you, you should have suspected, if you're, if you're listening to center-left radio, the current Republican Party. Um, we, we are in a position right now where because of two Democratic senators blocking uh, the vote to uh, suspend the filibuster temporarily, and using that as an excuse not to vote for what would be effectively an extension of the 1965 Voters' Rights Act, which would overcome many of the state uh, laws that have been passed that, would, that are designed, clearly designed, to uh, prohibit or lessen the ability of people to vote and mainly people of color based on the way the, the laws are targeted. Okay, the Republican Party has done this in response to, or with the excuse that we had no choice but to remove the vote or, or, or to change and tighten up voting laws because the election was stolen. Donald Trump was robbed. This is the central tenet of the Republican Party. It's a lie. It's an objective lie. It's known to be a lie. It has been proven as a lie. Anyone taking any time to check through any objective references will find that it's a lie. But nonetheless, it is the overarching and controlling theme and core of the modern Republican Party. At the state and the national level, all politicians must bend a knee to this. And to bend a knee to the lie is, in essence, to bend a knee to Donald. Donald, in enforcing people to, to uh, pay lip service and homage to the, to the, to the lie that, that he perpetuates, is forcing everybody to basically stay loyal to him or else. It's under threat. What, what, what would happen if you, if you don't continue uh, saying that the lie is true? Well, you'll be primaried. You'll be, you'll be vilified uh, from uh, in whatever form Donald can muster. It isn't Facebook and it isn't, it isn't Twitter anymore, but it's anywhere he can, and it all gets reported out because the media needs to keep this, this tension, this culture war. The culture war is as important to the, to the progressive media as it is to the conservative media. The progressive media gets their money reporting on the culture war. But, but the lie, the, 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 the fact that the lie is out there 
it has two separate meanings. If if you're if you're a if you're a progressive listening to the fact that the lie is out there, you click your tongue and you wag your head and you get upset and you said these idiots blah 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 blah. And if you're a Republican, you say well, I don't know what you say. Uh, some of them or the majority of them have still are still swallowing it. The smart people, the people who have control, know it's a lie. And that's the scariest part. And they basically, though, everybody, it all comes back to Donald. It's the cult of this one individual. And he is basically taking down anyone, or the perception is he can take down anyone that does not bend a knee and kiss his hand or any other part of his anatomy because... He's Donald, and you have nowhere else to go. Well, is that true? Well, of course it's not true. There is the objective, objective reality that is that nothing was stolen, that the, the, big, the big, the blimp just lost. He lost. Simple. People lose and people win. Every election has a winner and loser, and he lost this one. Nope, no, 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 that's not acceptable. We now must prove what we're capable of not being as Republicans. We can't be rational, we can't be reasonable, we can't be anything. But we want to rule. But we're based, but, but we're based our, our entire affiliation is based on Donald Trump and his entire projection of power is based on a known lie. And based on that, we want the, the American people to give us power once again. We are liars. We know we're working against a lie. And we want people to give us power simply because, I don't know, they believe the lie or lying is okay. I mean, I, I don't know how, I'm, I'm not sure when we get down to that level of refinement exactly how to present that. But, 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 but these, the simple reality is you don't have to embrace that lie. You just don't have to. But they do. And, and of late, the big thing going on now is a battle royal, supposedly, between Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis uh, to the effect that DeSantis uh, actually had the nerve to say something about uh, uh, that, that COVID injections were a bad idea. Well, Trump has staked out new territory for himself. He's going to need COVID if he's going to run in 2024. He's going to need the vaccines because because it's the one thing he thinks he did well. He did it half well uh, in getting it started. And he has decided that now, in, in, in contradiction to everything that's out there, all of the anti-vaxxers and everything else, Trump suddenly has flipped his position on that because there's nowhere else for him to go. And he's basically saying to Republicans, remember you were out there and all, your, and all the people that are out there saying no vaccine, no everything, no masks, no anything, it's all political. No, no, I'm now going to even, I'm gonna show you how powerful I am. This is what it really is. It's a tour de force here. And now it, it happens to be a tour de force that he really had no choice but to, 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 to proceed. But the thing is, if, if Donald doesn't embrace the notion of the vaccine, 
then it diminishes and demeans the one thing that he did that has any substantive value in the course of his first four years. What else did he do? I dare anyone to point to something that benefited the country other than the creation of the vaccines. He embraces that and now goes back at everybody who had said everything before. Well, everybody suddenly has to flip and, and do backflips and do and turn themselves into a pretzel. And well, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't. And he gets away with it. And he has the people behind him. And the people, again, are not listening to the reality. It is the grievance. It's what the, it's what the fantasy supports. And, and, and this is the thing that should be so apparent to people. Donald Trump has flipped on a major position of, of, of staunch Republicans around the country, namely that the vaccine is something you just do any way you want to do it, et cetera, et cetera. And you just, no, no, says Donald, I was behind all that. I saved the country. The vaccine is good. Now, he doesn't come out and say everybody has to be vaccinated. He stops short of that. But he stakes out this little area that is, sticks in the craw of everybody else. It, it interrupts their bitch and moan about the vaccine. And they have to make room for Donald's claim that he really did save the country, if people care to be saved, but I saved them. So now there's this, this little asterisk, this little caveat that has to go within a culture war statement that is, that is a lie to begin with. And now there's a caveat within the lie to accommodate Donald. And if people would just step back they'd understand that the, the whole underlying argument, the whole underlying presentation is a crock. It's a lie. There's nothing real about it. It's nothing but a culture war story to keep Donald in control of everybody else. But there's no substance to it. There's nothing, there's nothing factual about it. It's just a way of keeping people at each other's throats. And that's where the Republican Party finds itself. How, how do you govern in an atmosphere where, where there is a litmus test, and the litmus test is your capacity to openly embrace a lie and to basically proclaim loyalty in a cult-like manner to a person who essentially uh, is a twice-impeached criminal? who basically fomented an insurrection against the country. Why would you want to maintain loyalty to this individual? The, 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 the quick answer, of course, is, well, the base is loyal to him, and, and if I want the votes of the base, I have to basically go with him. I have no choice. And Trump gladly will take every opportunity to prove that point. And, he's, and, and, and his, and his heavy-handed approach to everything basically uh, proves that, that there is a, there's a very flimsy or, or a very lightweight capacity within the Republican Party to stand up to any of that. There's no real substance 
to this. It's not a, it's not a political party anymore in any sense of the word. It has no, no ideals. It has no principles. It has no bedrock place beneath which you don't go. No, you have Donald Trump's whim. That's all the Republican Party represents right now. Is everybody on board with this? No. No, of course not. Now, can they, can they say that publicly? No, people don't know how to do that. They've lost that ability. No one, no one within the Republic, or no one who wants to get reelected, uh, no one, no one but, but a Liz Cheney and a, and a few others, uh, Adam Kinzinger and a few others, basically have the moxie to say the obvious thing. It's a lie. To, to mouth the unspeakable, to risk the wrath of the Donald, the irrational bully who basically says, you dare not bend a knee to me and I will destroy you. That's what the party is. But, but if you step back and think of what that means from a party perspective, as I say, even if you could somehow win elections, and it could very well happen because of the other dynamic happening on the other side of the aisle right now and, 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 and the normal situation that happens in midterms, even this Republican Party could win elections. It does. It, it's, it's, it's maddening to think it. But it does. People will vote for them on reflex, if not on rational, on rational policy levels, just because they're not Biden, they're not this, they're anti-whatever. The grievance, the grievance will be, a re they have the franchise. You can't, we don't give, intel we used to give intelligence tests for voting, but they were only given, of course, to black people, and, you know, and black people could never pass them because white people couldn't pass the test that they were given to black people. Well, the 1965 voting rights law took care of all that, but, of course, there are just too many people who could vote against Republicans now, so we can't have that, say the Republicans, so we have to basically take that away. And Donald, of course, is leading the charge and all that, because why? Well, because the election was stolen, therefore we have to put in more draconian laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why can't the Republicans see that there's a danger in all this? Or which raises a question, is there a danger in all of this? Is there a danger in simply turning a party into a cult of a single individual who operates at his whim, who was mercurial, who is clearly not in control of most of his mental faculties or his emotional faculties, certainly, who has a Machiavellian capability to basically hold people in line and who has taken over an entire party, which is to say has, has negated the normal functional activity of the United States Congress because the Republican part of that essentially is incapable of even dealing with... De Democrats are deemed to be non-existent. They are, they, are, they are unworthy of even having communication with. You can't work with them. You can't do anything. They don't exist. All that matters is Donald, what Donald wants, what his will is. It's basically a destruction of the, the structure of our government. More than that, it is the invariable, and again, just step back and look at this. 
You can't sustain a party based on this. Why? Because it's all about one person. It's about Donald Trump. Now, you, you can make the argument that, that Trump is so imbued, his personality, his methods, his, his Machiavellian, his anger, his hatred, his grievance is so in, embedded now in the party that everyone in the party really is that way now, and it's going to be that way. Well, well, that also means that no one in the party can function in a, in, in a Jeffersonian democracy. Because Jeffersonian democracies work when people make compromise. Progressivism, as, as I used to talk about quite a bit, this whole thing about arguing something out. No one gets everything, but everybody gets something, and the positions move forward, and we, we move forward incrementally. The, the country keeps evolving. That's been tossed out. There is not even the notion of, of, a, of a forum, much less the ground rules for discussing things in any, in any regular way. Now, there are some people who understand that, that the Republican Party, having boxed itself into this position, is also basically dooming itself to extinction, at least in this form. Mitch McConnell knows that. He, know, he knows that at some point, Donald Trump won't be there. He has to know that. Any, anyone, any rational person listening to this show who might be Republican has to say to themselves, wait a minute, this is all on Donald Trump. Everything is based on Donald what happens, this has to be a, a, a natural question, what happens if Donald isn't there? For whatever reason, he, he, he gets tired, he gets older, he gets sick, he doesn't run. He, he goes through the natural processes that every person does in the process of aging you no longer really are up to it. You don't want to do it. Maybe Joe Biden, much that could be said of him right now. Joe Biden's in far better shape than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is louder, but Joe Biden is physically in better shape. May not seem that way in his, in his mannerisms every day. But, but, but I, I assure you that if Donald Trump were suddenly to get back on the campaign trail sometime in another year or two from now, after the, after, well, I don't know what he'll do it, but if he decides that he actually is going to run, he, he is giving every indication he will, you will see a physically different guy. You're not going to see a more vital, revitalized, younger, but no. I mean, he could put on more makeup, he could do something, but he will be worn. He will be that much older and he will be that much closer to not being in a position to do what, he, what his mind demands he do, which is to take over the world and run everything, to basically make the world in his own image, certainly the United States. Now, subtract him out. So, you're a Republican. Donald just stopped being there. Today, it happened today, for whatever reason, Donald stopped being there. He's not going to run. He's not part of anything. What do we do now? 
I, I imagine if that question were posed to any number, well, we'll, 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 we, we will keep going as though he were here. We're going to keep going with the same attitude. This, no, you're not. Donald basically operated out of fear. Who is, who, who is going to be feared now? Who will pick up the mantle of fear and dominance and threat? Who, who, is, who is anywhere near that? And who, by the way, believes that perpetuating that mantle of fear and the big lie is ultimately a key to the long-term success of the party. Well, there are fascistic elements, obviously, at play here, but there always are somewhere in the equation in the American political system. Would those fascistic elements automatically take over the Republican Party so that there'd be almost this seamless transition into the next phase of Trumpism? as opposed to any movement back towards something uh, recognizably historically Republican. Is Trumpness invariably embedded for all time into the Republican Party, which raises another question. Can a party continue to function? And we dealt with this a little bit earlier. Can a party continue to function as a cult of one individual? And, when, and now let's extend that. When the individual is no longer there physically, will the memory of that individual, the, 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 uh, the draconian rules and, 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 and sets of, of, of modes of, of, of operation, the obeisance, the, 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 the cowering, the, will that somehow be perpetuated in different, will it, will it simply metamorphize into some other forms, but the underlying emotions and the grievances will be there and the party will still be functional? No, of course not. To have a party which is based on the cult of an individual means that when that individual disappears, please check out history, folks. I mean, re, you know, Republicans listening, get this straight in your head. When the individual is pulled out of the equation, everything changes. It tends to collapse, okay? When you have a cult of an individual and everything is wrapped around that individual, and when it's based on a cult-like structure, which the Republican Party is right now, subtract the object of the cult, subtract the core of the cult, and it collapses. Now, why can't more people see that? Why is there even the fantasy that Trump is somehow perpetual? Trump loves to keep that image going, but he's not. Certainly not on a physical level. I mean, the guys, <laughs> come on, people. Look at him. Look at what he eats. You want to believe what his doctor said back in, 20, in 2016? Or, or, you know, and, and then again in 2020, he's the healthiest human being I've ever seen. The man eats garbage. He's a fat schlub. He can swing a golf club but he's probably one of the most unhealthy human beings in the world. He's living off of his own emotions. Basically, uh, how, how long that'll keep going, who knows what he's, what he, what he's shot up with or what, what keeps him going. I can't imagine. I, I, I just, it, it's beyond me. But 
you know, but get, get real, get, get realistic. Unless you want to believe, of course, that he's somehow some kind of a schlubby Superman. You want to believe that, that, he's, a, that he's another Marvel comic uh, character that can go perpetually, that he'll, that'll, he'll metamorphize into some other... F- Look at the man. That, that's just on a physical level. Psychologically, he is deteriorating even further. He is making demands of people that are, are just completely unsustainable within the, the, the structure of a, a functional party in the United States of America. He has basically eviscerated all, all uh, image of, of the Republican Party, all vestiges of normal Republican practice are, very, are gone. They're not there. I was a Republican at one time. This ain't anything like what I... It's, it's non-functional. It's not a party. I mean, come on, guys. Can, can't you see that? His, his, his physical state, his, his psychological state. Oh, did I mention that he's almost invariably going to be indicted? Whoa, said some listener somewhere, or maybe a number of them. Invariably going to be indicted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the indictment of that right-wing group was the Oath Keepers and, and that gang, Roth and, and, and his followers. I think there were eight or 11 people indicted. With that indictment and the nature of the charges made against them in the seditious conspiracy uh, claim, uh, you know, being made by the government, and the, and the people that they were associated with and everything else, there is no way that Merrick Garland could stop at this point and say, but I won't look any further. And it is also a perfect sequential movement from the low-hanging fruit. We kind of talked about this, but not in this regard. From the low-hanging fruit of these several hundred people that have already been tried, a number of them sent to prison, some of them let go because they were just idiots, and, uh, you know, and whatever the case may be, but the federal, the federal trials that are out there. You start down there with the low-hanging fruit, and you move up step by step to the fomentors of the event, to the real organizers, to the, to the heavy-duty people. Merrick Garland is taking this in an absolutely classical direction. And he is doing it so by the book that it, it, it's, 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 hard, it's hard to describe how by the book he's playing this. And it's even harder to describe how, how invariable or inev- inevitable the movement to the upper echelons of people will be. There's, there's a very important distinction, and here I'm hypothesizing. With everything so far, I'm telling you what I've seen, and I think anyone, any attorney, any, anyone who's had any experience in the, legal, in the legal sphere, anyone who's paid any attention to American history, and the way attorneys general operate, and the way an investigation operates, can see where Merritt Garland is going, and how it would be unthinkable that he would stop at this point. Could it happen? I, I, I don't know, I guess. But the odds, 
just about zero. He's going up the chain of command. What he will do and what he must do, and this is common sense, and this comes because he follows Robert Mueller and follows the Mueller investigation and the Mueller report. He will not produce a case against the people at the top, including Trump. He will not begin that. He will not send out an indictment until he has a bloody, damned, airtight case against Donald Trump. Now, we all saw on television Donald Trump start an insurrection. That is different than putting together, crafting the legal arguments, the factual arguments that must be in place in order to basically make it an airtight case. Trump will not, if brought an indict, if an indictment is brought against him, the legal team he will have will suck. He has shown of late that they're still playing the same, attempting the same games, that all they do is file another brief to essentially delay, delay, delay. The, the idea of winning is less important than delaying. But if Donald is indicted, at that point he is taken, he will basically be brought before a judge. He will be brought, and if he doesn't want to go there, he'll be dragged, he'll be dragged before a judge. This all has to be taken into account as well. This is not, once you put an indictment out there against an individual, that individual has to show up. This is not a request to show up to give testimony before the January 6th commission. Oh no. This would be an indictment. This would require someone being taken in to custody, brought in, brought before a judge, and the charges read, and a decision made as to whether or not that individual will remain free on bail pending the beginning of the trial. This is what happens in every indictment. Will the individual be free on bail pending the start of the trial? Or will there be some conditions imposed? If you, were, if you were a judge, a federal judge, and Donald Trump is brought before you, what would you do, how would you handle him for purposes of making sure that he remains available for his trial? Would you consider him a flight risk? Would you basically consider him, what, what, what limitations might you put on him? Might you give him a gag order? Might you tell him that he may not do any, yeah, that's been done. It was done with Roger Stone. It was done, well, and Stone was ultimately, you know, he was convicted, but he was shut up. He was shut down during the pendency of his trial. Essentially, he had a gag order that he could not discuss the case publicly, that that was part and parcel of what the problem was in the first place. So your lawyers, your lawyers will speak for you, but even they have to be cautious in this entire thing. And this whole thing will be left to the courts. You're not going to make this any worse than it is. Do you think for a moment that a judge would not impose that same limitation on Donald? Here's the next thing. What will the banks that own Donald Trump 
do. We, we don't have, well, no. Anyone who counts has a full accounting of Donald Trump's financial situation. The state of New York, the city of New York, has every bit of documentation you can imagine. Donald's old uh, accountant, the guy, you know, well, old, he, he's still the guy who runs it. I can't think of his name offhand. Uh, was indicted on a relatively small matter and claimed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he's, but he's cooperating. He's cooperating with the authorities. What's, what's his name? What was the name of a, a... I'll get it in a moment. I'll get it in a moment. Have you heard much about him lately? Have you, have you heard much about where that entire process is going? Uh, you, you know, uh, he's, you know he's, 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 he's refusing. That no, no documentation. Is, no, it's nothing there. But you haven't heard a word. And when you don't hear a word about an investigation, and this is a criminal investigation between the city of New York and the state of New York, Okay, Letitia James on the one hand, presumably the new attorney, uh, the new uh, district attorney, although I, I, I know he's making a lot of, uh, he, he's made a number of faux pas in terms of suggesting that he's going to be weak on crime. And well, he's picking up where his predecessor left off with a continuation of that case. You don't hear about it, but I assure you that if the case were being dropped, you would have heard it by now. If the New York City side, if the Manhattan District Attorney's side of the case were no longer going to be pursued, you would have heard about that in a damned heartbeat. You would have heard it from the Trump people. Now you see, he dropped the case. There's nothing, nothing of the sort is happening. The case moves on. This is the state case against Donald Trump, criminal case against Trump organization. Has he been indicted yet? No. Do you think that there is evidence being amassed that will... He has avoided, he has, he has dodged the bullet a billion times. Has there ever been an investigation into this man's organization at the level and of the intensity that's there right now? Have forces ever been marshaled against him? Not just some little one office with three, with three attorneys you know, because he's just another, another wannabe mafia uh, real estate developer in New York City and we'll do whatever we have to and everybody goes to lunch and maybe it's... Have forces ever been marshaled? And, and the investigatory groups that are out there and there's been reporting on this, the best of the best is out there putting this together. Do you imagine... Do you dare imagine that all of that will ultimately result in a shrug, we couldn't find a goddamn thing? Imagine that, Republicans, at your own peril. And I, I, I ask you again, as an appeal to whatever rationality you may have. And I want you to start getting worried about this, but not worried as in, oh, what will Donald do to me if he knows I'm thinking these thoughts? No. What will happen to all of us when the Donald shoe drops? What, what is the liability that we all have if, if, Merrick Garland, 
can go, if he can go in the direction he's going in right now, if he's going to pull in, well, you know Rudy Giuliani, he'll probably lose his, his law license in New York and every place else. I, I, I'm just waiting to hear when that announcement's going to come down. But if Merritt Garland can go in this direction, if he can now be up at the Oath Keepers, and you know the investigation goes on, and Trump is becoming even more vociferous and more forceful and more vengeful and more irrational and more fear-inducing day by day, more crazed in his accusations, more embracing of the entire lie about the election, if that's getting worse and worse day by day, do you think for a moment He's not aware of how much closer the, the noose is tightening around him and his organization at both the federal and the state level. Do you think he doesn't know that the moment an indictment comes down, every bank that he owes all of his money to will call in every loan because that is built into every loan situation? that he will never again be able to borrow against his name. His name will be meaningless. A, the simple act of an indictment may be enough to stop the Trump empire in its tracks right there. Just an indictment. If you're Donald Trump and you know that, what is your psychological position. Well, Donald doubles and triples down on everything. This is the ultimate punch at him. When that punch comes, he will not be able to triple punch back. He will not be able to say, I will not cooperate. He will not be able to say, this is a sham. He can yell and scream. He might be able to say it for a few moments, but then there'll be a gag order on him. And if he violates that gag order, do you imagine for a second that, 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 that Merrick Garland and the Justice Department could, even if they wanted to, ignore it and not basically enforce their own orders against him. Do you imagine for a moment that Trump would not basically be taken out of circulation by the federal court system and prohibited from any further speech? Can you imagine? No, no, don't, don't, don't even imagine it. No, say the Republicans, oh, this could never happen, they'll never... You, you take that position at your own risk. Donald Trump is in a position where it is, in my, my vision, I, I, and I'm, I'm laying out the logic to you people, it is virtually inevitable that he will be indicted. And I think, and now here I'm speculating, here I'm, here I'm uh, you know, here I'm commenting, because the Republican Party is not prepared to, be, to instantly find a way around the cult of personality that it's developed into, because the base will first have to expel all of its grievance and anger, because all of that is going to have to play out once he is indicted and that he basically becomes subject to criminal penalties, including, of course, incarceration, once all that starts to play out, the Republican Party will logically want to move on from him as rapidly as possible. 
Remember, he can't talk after that. There'll be a gag order on him once the indictment comes down. It won't be a, a pleasant little thing. No. At some point, there will be a gag order against Donald Trump. Even, if it, even, if, even when the indictments against the companies that he owns come down, because he signed all the... There will be a gag order coming out. And he can no longer become the vehicle. With a gag order, it's kind of hard to do rallies. It's kind of hard to be, um, to be a candidate for the presidency of the United States if the only thing you want to talk about is how you've been wronged and you want to perpetuate a lie and, you want, and your natural thing is to talk about how impossible it is basically for them to continue this and I'm better than this and don't believe a word you're... No, you can't say that when you have a gag order. Republicans, please think about this. Mitch McConnell is thinking about it. Ron DeSantis is thinking about it. None of them are saying a word about it. But I don't think very secretly, but somehow, with, with close associates only, of course, with close associates, they're just praying that the day is sooner than later. What they're also praying is that the near-term fallout of his being indicted, taking off, taken off the playing field, will not spell the end of the, of the Republican Party for some, for some extended length of time. The, the utter incapacity of the Republican Party to be or do anything for some extended length of time until it can reformulate under some kind of uh, structure uh, reminiscent of what it once was? I mean, you know, we've been talking up to this point about, about the, the fall of democracy if Donald runs. And, and now, that, that now, to me, is becoming a smaller and smaller uh, possibility. If he were to run and were able to run, yes, that would be the end of democracy as we know it in this country. It would be a capitulation totally to the whole fascistic thing if Donald somehow could run for president. I think Merrick Garland knows this, and most, and most rational Republicans in some positions, certainly Mitch McConnell understands this. But assuming that he won't, assuming that an indictment of some sort will come down, the Republican Party runs the risk of being, I don't know, negated, of, of, of losing all credibility, of, of, of the, the base not knowing where to go, what to do, not knowing who to, to follow, uh, having the internecine warfare among different people wanting to pick up the mantle of Trump and will, will, will turn into the worst conceivable circus. No one can do a good Donald Trump. Or I, I imagine maybe somebody will be able to pick up the mantle and they'd have to be worse than Trump. Or they'd, they'd have to basically hold out the promise of continued grievance and, and seamlessly pick up the Trump mantle. Will Trump bestow his mantle on someone else? Never, of course not. That's not in him. It's not his, it's not his way. His anger, his viciousness, his his hatred, his 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 utter just his utter uh, just fury 
at being taken off the playing field permanently will just make it impossible for him to do anything like that. The answer to all this, Republicans, please, get away from Donald on your own. Find a way. Let the base know the reality. Give this up. Stop waiting for the Democrats, the Democrats, and stop waiting for Merrick Garland to do to set the process in place for you so that maybe you'll be protected. But the protection that you're imagining you'll have from having Merrick Garland or New York State ultimately indict him and take him off the playing field. That's not really protection for the Republican Party. It's not a boost. It will not be a boost to the Republican brand. It will finally be giving veracity to the fact that we've been lied to, say the Republican base. <coughs> we, we, we believed he was invincible once the reality starts to set in that he's very, very vulnerable, that he can't even open his mouth, that he's... All these things that we thought he was, and he's just like us. You break the law, you pay a price. And if you want to imagine that you can get away with that, do it. But that, that, that's, that's a hopeless approach. The hopeful approach, the more hopeful approach, is to actually follow your consciences, to recognize that that we have to go back to the 19, to at least the 1965 Voting Rights Act as a baseline for America to move forward. Do we really have to take all these steps backwards in order to go forward again? Do we have to go three steps forward and then two steps back? Is, do we really still have to do that? Do you realize all the trauma that you're going to put the country through simply because you can't let go of him now? Do you, do you realize how much difficulty we're going to... Why, why can't you stand up and be honorable and, 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 and show and let people know, instruct people, look, look, we were wrong about this, and this is wrong, and the way this is being preceded and handled, it's wrong. He's out there in Mar-a-Lago. We're not going to have him run. He's not going to run for president. We have to go in another direction. It's only right. Now, all of our grievances about everything, we'll try pursuing these things, but we're going to pursue them through legal, domestically permissible, traditionally American ways of pursuing them. We're still going to have our attitudes about immigration. We're still going to have our attitudes about, you know, uh, who should be running the place, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't do it in this zero-sum way that uses Donald as an excuse for doing anything that we want to do on a given day. And we can't pretend that the base is the only reason that we're going to do everything and that you are enthralled, well, you're obviously enthralled by Donald, and, and, and your enthralled with him can't be the thing that guides us, otherwise you're guiding us. Yes, we operate, we are representatives of the people, but we are not dupes of a lie either. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be above that. We should be guiding the people when something this obvious is presented to us. Why can't Republicans do that now? Why, why must you risk taking us all through this ugly additional period in our history 
of watching you having to somehow, you know, come out of the, 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 the sinkhole that you're all about to go into. You're in it already. It's just a question of hitting bottom in a sinkhole and trying to get the hell out of it. Democrats, this is not a party for Democrats. Having no other party to push back against will become a really strange and difficult situation for Democrats as well. Don't imagine this to be a walk in the park. This could be very, very dangerous to all of us. And it always might leave the possibility of some really nefarious, even more nef smarter than Trump, certainly. Not more nefarious, I don't know, but smarter than Trump type finding a way to come in, step in, and take everybody in the wrong direction. We've got, to, we've got to basically have our morals and our ethics on the table in front of us at all times, understanding what the country is, not pretending anymore, and not basically using our media as a vehicle on all sides to perpetuate this thing of grievance, not, not having democratic grievance as the counterpoint to Republican grievance and imagine somehow that that's a justified grievance. No, we have to have a vision, an image. We just had Dr. Martin Luther King Day yesterday. And now with all of these laws, and unfortunately with two Democrats that don't want to move forward with, with basically uh, having the, the baseline uh, voting rights legislation of 1965 renewed, we now are going to have to start redoing all this at the grassroots level, at the state level. It's frustrating, it's angering, but it's what you have to do in order to preserve and move forward in America. I, I heard a quote, uh, Dr. King is quoted as having said, you know, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, for God's sake, crawl, but at least keep going forward. This is going to be a big challenge for us in the short run. But Donald will be off the playing field probably sooner than later. And it will affect all of us. All of us. And we have to plan for that contingency. God knows the Republican leadership, or whatever there is of it, McConnell at least, is hoping for it with all his heart and soul. Think about it. With a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Republicans are stuck in this world where Donald Trump is the cult center, the cult figure. It behooves them to recognize that there's a very good chance they may have to live without him. He could be off the political playing field. Are they going to pretend that that could never happen and sink this party and take us through the worst of times? Or maybe rediscover Republican values and ethics?